Praise the Lord. Thank God your, your witness does make a difference, doesn't it? Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. Be strong. Take courage. Don't be intimidated. Don't give them a second thought because God, your God, is striding ahead of you. He's right there with you. He won't let you down. He won't leave you. I want to speak to you today on the subject, the antidote for intimidation. The antidote for intimidation. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, God, we're asking you to speak to us so that, Lord, we can be used of you. Lord, to hear these great testimonies. Lord, that the seeds that we sow are important. But, God, we've got to be fearless when those opportunities come. And so we're asking you, dear Lord, to help us take the antidote for intimidation and be able to be bold and courageous because you're with us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise for his word today. Amen. Well, my beautiful mother sitting right there. My mother, her eyes just got big when I said that. Last week, I read a couple of poems I wrote about my dear mother. But now I have to tell the truth. My mother's a <laughs> my mother is a wonderful person, but she did give me a piece of advice when I was growing up. Now she was raised over in Clinch County. In fact, Daddy said when he married her from that lowland over there, she still had watermarks around her knees from growing up in the swamplands of Clinch County. And she taught me this. She said, "Now, son, the Bible says." If somebody slaps you on one cheek, you are to turn to them the other cheek. She said, but son, you only have two cheeks. So when you turn to them the other cheek, if they slap you on that one, I want you to lie into them just as hard as you can. I think she may have missed the spirit of the command. But the thing that she was trying to get across to me is, son, I don't want you to go through life intimidated. That was what she was saying. I don't want you to have and deal with intimidation. And sure enough, the, the moment came when I was in high school. Some of you know this story. The moment came when I was in high school that I had to put mother's uh, advice and example to the test. There was a young man that thought he would impose his will on me. And I want you to know that I threw my mouth repeatedly into that boy's foot. I just about beat his foot off with my face. He probably still has arthritis in that big toe where I hit him so many times in the foot with my face. Intimidation is something probably that we all deal with from time to time. Dr. Carol Parrish said this about it. It says, feelings of intimidation insecurity and inferiority are triplets. They are a holdover from the fall. They can remain in a believer's life if he does not renew his thinking by the word of God. To think as the world thinks is to be intimidated by others. To think as God thinks is to be freed from intimidation. We're going to talk about the antidote for intimidation. Before we do, we need to talk about the causes or the sources of intimidation. First of all, there are external sources of intimidation. The Bible is full of those 
external sources. Proverbs 29 and 25 says, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. We deal with the fear of man, and one that probably uh, is known the world over, even people that have never seen a Bible, never read a Bible, even people maybe that have never even heard the name of Jesus do know the story of David and Goliath. It is a universal symbol. It's been adopted, adopted by secular sources of overcoming what seems to be insurmountable odds. And when Goliath came out against, as the champion of the Philistines came out against the armies of Israel, just his sheer size was an intimidation to them. And he taunted them. And they were all fearful of this giant Goliath until little David came to bring a snack to his brothers and when he came up bringing supplies to his brothers he looked around and he kind of he kind of chewed out the whole Israelite army and he said is there not a cause he said why are we letting this uncircumcised Philistine talk to us talk about us that way and then once David went out to face Goliath Goliath not only used his sheer girth to intimidate uh, uh, David or try to intimidate David, but then he added to it his words. He trash-talked. I think that maybe he learned from Muhammad Ali. <laughs> he kept saying, who do you think you are? Why are they insulting me by sending this little dog out here to fight me? Before the sun goes down, I'm going to be feeding your bones to the buzzards. But I like what David said. He squared his shoulders back and he said, You come to me with a spear and a sword, but I've come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And the buzzards are going to die tonight, but it's not going to be on my bones. It's going to be on your bones, big boy. And the devil often uses and other people often use their words to try to intimidate us. King Hezekiah found that out. The city was being uh, surrounded uh, by the Assyrian army. And uh, Rabshakeh, the, the, uh, kind of the second in command to the king of Assyria, came and he brought a letter that he read out loud in the hearing of all the people to try to shake the morale of the troops inside Jerusalem and on the walls of Jerusalem. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 19, starting in verse 10. says, Thus shall you speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, Do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you, saying, Jerusalem shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Look, you've heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the lands by utterly destroying them. And, you, and, and shall you be delivered? Have the gods of the other nations delivered them whom my fathers destroyed? Verse 14 but Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers, and he read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord, and he spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, the one who dwells between the angels, you are God, you alone, of all the kings of the earth, you've made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to reproach the living God. He said, God, whenever they're threatening me, whenever they're threatening Jerusalem, they're not just threatening us, they're talking trash about you, Lord. And understand that when the devil comes against you, you are God's property. 
And what he's bringing against you is not just a threat against you, but it is, it is absolute rebellion against God, and God will fulfill his word. So the next time that you get a pink slip, the next time that you get a bill that you can't pay, the next time that somebody talks trash about you, just spread it before the Lord. I will tell you, there's some people need to take Facebook and just spread it before the Lord. Amen. You don't have to go there. I don't understand why people get on Facebook and read trash about themselves anyway. Right? If they say something negative about you, just delete it. <laughs> just cancel it. Don't go, don't go there. And for goodness sakes, don't be a trash talker yourself. Zachariah felt that way, except Zachariah's uh, source of intimidation was not just demonically inspired humans, but it came from Satan himself. Zachariah said that he saw Joshua, the high priest, standing before the presence of the Lord. And over at his right hand, there was Satan that was standing there to intimidate Joshua the high priest. And the fact of the matter is, is that uh, in that vision, Joshua the high priest was standing there in dung, bespattered garments. He was filthy, standing before the Lord. And how many knows what Satan would do? Satan will point out your inconsistencies, point out your problems, point out your failures. Anybody ever come into a service and tried to praise the Lord, tried to lift your hands, tried to worship, and then Satan tell you how unworthy you were to worship the Lord? And we're not talking about the Holy Spirit that, that brings to our minds things that we ought to, be, uh, ought to repent over and get right. We're talking about the condemnation that comes from Satan to intimidate us from being in the presence of the Lord. But Joshua the high priest just stood there in his position before the Lord and all of a sudden on the throne the Lord spoke up. And aren't you glad to know, now listen, if he's standing before the presence of the Lord, if Satan's on his right hand, that means Satan is on God's left hand. And so on the left hand of God, there's an accuser. But on the right hand of God, there's our advocate. Aren't you glad that there's one that's on our side standing at the right hand of God? And the Lord spoke up and said to the angels around, said, take that filthy garment off of Joshua and put on him a clean garment. And he said, don't you know that this boy is a brand plucked out of the fire. You know what he was saying? He said, Joshua, let me tell you, you're hot stuff whether you know it or not. So Satan wants to use words. Satan will whisper in our ears and try to bring us down. So there are external causes or sources of intimidation. But then let me tell you that most of it I've found comes not externally but internally. That our, that our source of intimidation is not how our enemy sees us, but how we see ourselves. That's the true source of intimidation. In fact, listen to that word, intimidation. Right? I-N, intimidation. You could say it this way, that intimidation is that, that that causes you to be timid within. That's what intimidation is. It causes you instead of being brave, courageous, daring, trusting, active. It causes you to be anxious, upset, uncertain, insecure, inferior. Intimidation is that that makes you timid within. Now I remember Charlotte Elliott. She wrote that wonderful song, Just As I Am. 
and she had terrible health throughout her life and she struggled with bitterness toward people, bitterness toward God. Her family couldn't even hardly stand to be around her so they did what a lot of people do. They invited the pastor over to talk to her. They couldn't do anything with her. And the pastor got talking to her and she would lash out at him and be ugly to him and he was so patient and he said, listen, don't you know that the Lord will take you just like you are? And she said, you mean he'll take me just as I am with all of my fightings and fears? He said, he'll take you just as you are. And she wrote that beautiful hymn, Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me and that thou biddest me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. But maybe you don't know this verse. Just as I am, though tossed about with many a conflict and many a doubt, fightings within and fear without Oh, Lamb of God, I come. So she understood what it was to have fightings within. The, the crippling, immobilizing, paralyzing fear from within. Now there are some things that happen within us. One, it's kind of like the Israelites. You remember when they got to the, got to the Holy, Holy Land, got on the verge of Canaan, and they sent out spies and ten of those spies came back and talked about the size of the enemy. And two of them came back and talked about the size of the produce. Right? And, and here's what the ten said. You know this story. The ten said, we were like grasshoppers. There's giants in the land. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. But two of them, Joshua and Caleb, said, no. We are well able to take the land. If God is for us, who can be against us? Moses didn't want to work for the Lord when he went to, to take the children of Israel out of Egypt. Uh, God appeared to him in a burning bush and wanted him to go and be a spokesman. And, and Moses said, well, Lord, I can't talk good, right? He said, I, I, I'm slow of speech. I, I, I'm not eloquent. I don't know how to do that. That shouldn't let you stop it. Stop you. It hadn't ever stopped me. <laughs> so sometimes people have some type of physical impairment uh, that they feel like that they're not worthy or not good enough. But don't let that stop you. Look at this guy. This guy's name is uh, Nick Boychik. Nick Boychik was born without arms or legs. But he's a Christian evangelist that travels all over the world preaching the gospel and showing people that life is worth living. Years ago, probably 30 years ago, I heard David Ring speak. Anybody remember David Ring? David Ring has cerebral palsy. And you have to kind of work to listen to him. I have to strain to listen to him because he, he does have a speech impediment because of his uh, cerebral palsy. But here's what he says. He's an evangelist that has preached all over the world. And you know what he says about it? He says, I have cerebral palsy. What's your problem? It hadn't stopped me. What's your problem? We have, to be we have to refuse to be intimidated. Sarah thought that she was too old to have a child. He said, I, I'm too old. Though, if it had happened earlier, there are people sitting in this congregation that there are things that God's placed in your heart that you think, if I could have done it 30 years ago, I could have done it. Can I tell you, it's not too late for you to be used of God. You're not too old for God to use you. This guy up here is named Kamani Maruj. 
And the reason he's sitting there, he's 84 years old. You know why he's sitting there? Because he's a member of that first grade class. I'm impressed when people go back to college. I'm impressed when people in their 80s get their GED. But this guy said, I don't have any education. If I have to go to the first grade, it's not too late for me to do it. Jeremiah thought he was too young. I almost saved this part for when we talk to the graduates here on June the 2nd. But here's what Jeremiah heard from the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 1, starting verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. And I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And then said I, oh Lord God, behold I cannot speak for I am a youth. Then the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth. You shall go to whom I send you. And whatever I command you to speak, shall you speak. Don't be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you. Put forth, uh, and he put forth his hand, touched my mouth, and said to me, Behold, I put my words in your mouth. I see I have uh, this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy, and to throw down, to build, and to plant. It's not an excuse to be too young. Now, I've got a, a, a recent friend that I've met by the name of Zach Vaughn. Zach's 24 years old. And Zach has already gone on three mission trips. He's gone to Jamaica. He's gone to China. He's gone to Mongolia. And uh, he is soon to leave to go back uh, at the end of the summer to go back to Mongolia and spend about nine months there teaching English and doing mission work in Mongolia at 24 years old. Well, how do I know that? Because Zach's sitting right over there. Zach, would you stand and give everybody a wave? Zach's right there. I'm 50 years old and I can't spell Mongolia. Or China for that matter. Paul said to Timothy, don't let anybody despise your youth. There was a 15-year-old a French inventor, 15 years old. And at three years old, he had lost his vision. And he envisioned as growing up, I wish there was some way that I could read. His name was Louis Braille. And he invented the Braille system. You're not too young. So whether you think you're too old or too young or whether you think that life has passed you by or perhaps you think you've got some infirmity that, that disqualifies you. Whatever you think of yourself, let me tell you there is a cure and this is the crux of our message. There's a cure for intimidation. The number one thing that we'd have to realize is that in the sight of God we've gained acceptance. Because intimidation comes from the inside, we have to realize that we have been accepted by the Lord. 1 John 4, 18 says this, that there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Ephesians 1, 3 through 7, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to his riches of grace. 
If you're a child of God, you don't have to try to earn acceptance from God. You've been accepted for Jesus' sake. I love Romans chapter 8, the old chapter, but oh, listen, and I, I you know, uh, Time is of an essence when you're preaching on Sunday morning, but I've got to take time to read this old passage to you because the Word of God says it better, a lot better than I could. Verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Let us get in your spirit. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. Furthermore, is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As is it written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you want the cure for intimidation, realize that you've been accepted by God. And in that realization, that brings step two, and that is assurance. Assurance. Fanny Crosby, when she was just a child, uh, got an eye infection, and uh, the doctor mistreated it. He used a poultice and put it on her eyes, and instead of it healing her eyes, it blinded her for life. And there she was, living in, in a day that there wasn't a whole lot of options for people that had those challenges, and yet she became probably the most prolific of all hymn writers, at least of American hymn writers. And one of the things that she knew, she saw more with her eyes blinded than most of us see with them wide open. And one of the things that she knew was blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. You've got to have that blessed assurance. And that assurance comes from knowing that he designed us you're not a mistake. You're not here by chance. God did have a plan and a purpose and a design for you and your life when he created you. And he still has that same design and purpose and plan. And God doesn't see us as the world sees us. He does not see us as we see ourselves. He doesn't even see us in that sense in our present condition. He sees us for what he designed us to be. So Psalm 139, 13 and 14, David said, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. We're the creation of God. God made me this way. I know my personality is not for everybody. I get that. Crystal and I have worked on that for 25 years. 
But God made me this way. Now we're not talk, we are not talking about things that are immoral and sinful and things that are condemned in God's word. Obviously God doesn't ordain those things. But I'm going to tell you God has given you abilities and gifts. God has designed you. Yes, sin warped us but Jesus wrapped us. Amen. And because of that, he can sanctify and utilize our talents and our abilities and our proclivities. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That word workmanship is poema. And, and here's what poema means. It, it means his tapestry. It means God's needlepoint. God's handiwork but it's where we get the word poem from did you know you're God's poem you're God's love song you're God's creation you're God's masterpiece God is working on you and he's working in you and he's working through you now listen I'm not talking about secular humanism okay where man is the center of the universe. And I'm not talking about what I've coined as sacred humanism. Because there's a sacred humanism going on right now where church is about man and not about God. In fact, one of the largest churches in the United States, the pastor's wife recently got up and said, you know, worship's not really about God, it's about us. If you want to know why we're not having the presence and power of God in our services the way we used to, is because we've made worship about us instead of about God. So I'm not talking about sacred humanism. I'm certainly not talking about secular humanism. But what I am talking about is our identity in Christ. We do have an identity in Christ that should cause us not to take a back seat to anybody. That should cause us to walk through life not as a snob, but with shoulders square and our chin pointed upward, lifting our head regardless of what we're enduring, regardless of what we're talking to. Listen, what I'm talking about is a way of life and a mindset that does not get caught up in my gifts, but is grateful to the giver, the one that looks at the one who made me. It's not about who I am, but about whose I am. I tell my son Cameron and my daughter Katie sometime about the way you live. I remind them, you're, you're a peavy. Because I was raised being a peavy meant something. In fact, we got a couple of them. We're going to disfellowship. They don't straighten out. You need a sense of identity. Listen, if you're a child of God, washed in his blood, born again, on your way to heaven, filled with his spirit, you are somebody because you belong to somebody and he has stamped you with his name. Don't you let the devil and don't you let the world and don't you let life intimidate you. You square your shoulders back and stand in the name of Jesus. Amen. If I hear, yeah, give him a hand clap of praise. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 13 through 16. This is the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus preaching. You are the salt of the earth. He says in verse 14, you are the light of the world. You're a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. 
He said in verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Paul said Philippians 12, uh, 4, 12 and 13, I know how to be abased. Doesn't mean we're not going to suffer. Doesn't mean we're not going to go through problems. Sometimes we suffer you know, there's no guarantee that we won't suffer at God's children. Sometimes we suffer because we are God's children. He said, I know how to do that, but also know how to be blessed. Unfortunately, there are some Christians, they know how to be put down. They know how to suffer, but they haven't learned how to reign. They haven't learned how to live in victory. He said, I know how to be a base, but I also know how to abound everywhere. And in all things, I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. And here is that famous scripture, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. How many's ever heard that? you got to read the rest of the scripture. According to the power that works in us. He does it, but he does it in us. He does it through us. And he does it by us. As we depend on him, assurance comes not only from knowing that he's designed us, but knowing that he desired us. I can handle the fact that there's some people that don't want me. I can handle the fact that there's some people that don't love me. It's okay that there's some people that don't like me. Because Jesus is in love with me. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. John 15 and 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Listen, Jesus picked you out, and Jesus picked you up. I don't have to be intimidated. You don't have to be intimidated. We read it in Romans 8, 32, He who didn't spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how much more shall he not with him give us all things? And then, the cure for intimidation, and we're getting close to close here, is that we not only have his acceptance and his assurance, but we have his assistance. Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, was worried because the nations of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir were coming against him. So he gathered everybody in the temple and he said, Now, Lord, even the babies went. Whole families came, mom and dad and children. Everybody crowded in the temple and he said, Now, Lord, you promised that if we called on you, you'd help us. And up in the choir, there was a choir member that the Holy Ghost got to moving in the temple. And the Holy Ghost fell on the choir member. And the choir member stood up and said, Listen, O house of Judah. Listen, O King Jehoshaphat. You won't have to fight in this battle because the Lord will fight for you. So don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed because of the size of the army because the battle is not yours, but the battle is the Lord's.
You remember Elisha? Whenever the Syrian army surrounded him and his servant went out to make breakfast and he looked and he saw that army surround him, Elisha said, what you worried about? They that be with us are more than they that be with them. And he said, Lord, open his eyes. And the scales fell off of his eyes. And he saw the army of God surrounding them and protecting them from the army of the enemies. We need to allow God to take the scales off of our eyes in our day and realize that in this day we're not outnumbered. We're not outclassed. We are the people of God. And God himself will fight for us and send his angels to protect us. In fact, 1 John 4 and 4 says, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now this concludes our introduction. (laughs) But the message is short. Back to the text that we started with. Moses was dying and he knew it. Moses had reached after 120 years he had reached the end of the journey Moses knew that the people that generation that was born in the wilderness were going to go somewhere that he couldn't go that they were going to go and he couldn't go with them so he's giving his last pregame pep talk he's giving his last battle cry his last rallying cry for one last great battle that he could send them, but he could not go. And here are his words to them. Be strong. Take courage. Don't be intimidated. Don't give them a second thought. Because God, your God, is striding ahead of you. So don't be afraid, don't be dismayed. That means don't fall apart. He's right there with you. He will not let you down. He will not leave you. Cast off the spirit of intimidation. If God be for us, and He is, then who can be against us? I want you to stand across the building today.
Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Come on, just lift your hands and say, thank you, Lord. It would be redundant at this point for me to give an altar call. The Holy Spirit has already given that altar call. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, I'm going to be waiting up front. If you'd like to be saved, come and see me. I'll lead you through into prayer. But I'm going to pray you to respond to that. Listen to what that interpretation of tongues said. The Lord said, I will be your God if you will look to me. If you'll trust me. If you'll rely on me. Well, listen, the way for you to do that this morning is to make your way to this altar. And let's call on the name of the Lord and trust in the Lord. Come on. Come up here. Bring that spirit of intimidation with you and leave it at this altar. Come on from all over the building. All over the building. And those that don't feel like you need anything, why don't you come and help those that are praying and seeking the Lord. From all over this building, let's come.